Hey everyone, and welcome back to an all-new, brand new episode of Unknown Serial Killers. Thank you guys once again for joining me as we talk about these serial killers that just blows our mind. As always, viewers' discretion is advised because we are talking about murder, violence, and possible drug use. But of course, we're talking about murder and violence because this is why we're here. Also, and again, if you miss any of the episodes in any of the seasons, please go check them out right now because you do not want to miss any of them. Let's just get right into it. We are going to the UK, I believe, and we are going to be talking about John Wayne Glover. Let's get into it. John Wayne Glover was born November 26, 1932 in Wolverhampton, UK. Originally from a working class family in Wolverhampton, England, Glover was convicted of many petty crimes dating back to 1947 for stealing clothes and handbags. He left school at 14. He served in the British Army but was rejected when these crimes were discovered. Later, he migrated to Australia in 1956 or 1957 with no qualifications, where he first lived in Melbourne. Shortly after migrating from England to Australia, Glover, who would take up naturalism, Australian citizenship, was convicted on two counts of larceny in Victoria and stealing charge in North South Wales. In 1962, he was convicted of two counts of assaulting women in Melbourne, two counts of indecent assault, one of assault occasioned actual body harming, and another four counts of larceny. He was sentenced to a three-year good behavior bond. He had a troubled relationship with older women in his life, especially his mother, Frida, who had several husbands and many boyfriends. And after 1968, his mother-in-law, when he married Gay Rose and moved into his parents-in-law's house in Mossman, Sydney. Glover's mother moved to Australia in 1976. She died of breast cancer in 1989. Later that year, Glover was diagnosed with male breast cancer. Glover separated from his wife, who took their daughters to New Zealand. Before John Glover began his killings in the late 1980s, he was a volunteer at the Senior Citizen Society and was considered among his friends a friendly and trustworthy man. He was married with two daughters and lived a content lifestyle in Mossman. Glover worked as a sales representative for the, the 4 and 20 Meat Pie Company. No proof has been found of Glover killing before 1989 when he was 56. That's kind of late in the years to to decide to become a serial killer. But uh, to each his own. At this age, he had been married for 20 years with children and his wife had no knowledge of his previous offenses. Glover admitted to the killings when confronted when the police evidence. He denied responsibility for other crimes in which he was a prime suspect, including the bashing of murder, bashing murder of 78-year-old artist Florence Broadhurst in her Paddington studio in 1977. A number of years after his conviction, Glover admitted that he never worried about who his victims were or why he killed them. He said he wanted to stop killing but could not. After each murder, he apparently went about his normal life. And that's what happens with some serial killers. They want to stop, but it's something mentally that's not letting them stop. On January 11, 1989, 84-year-old Margaret Todd Hunter 
was walking down Hale Road, Mossman, where she was seen by Glover. After parking his car, he walked up to the victim. He punched Todd Hunter in the face and stole the content of her purse, including $209. Glover then went to Mossman RSL Club, where he spent Mrs. Todd Hunter's money. Investigating police conclude the crime was a mugging and held little hope of finding a perpetrator. On March 1, 1989, as Glover left the Mossman RSL and Military Road, he saw 82-year-old Gwendolyn Mitchenhill walking down the street. Glover returned to his car, put a hammer under his belt. He followed Mitchenhill to the entry foyer of her Military Road apartment building. As she went to open the front door, he hit her with the hammer on the back of her head. He then continued to strike her about the head and body. Several of her ribs were broken. Glover fled the scene taking her purse containing $100. Mission Hill was still alive when she was found by two school boys but died shortly after the police and ambulance arrived. The police had no eyewitnesses or leads and nothing concrete linked this attack with the previous attack of Margaret Todd Hunter. No for- forensic evidence was available either as well-intended neighbors believing she had nearly fallen and had watched the crime scene. The police assumed that it was another mugging gone wrong. On May 9, 1989, Glover was walking along Military Road when he saw 84-year-old Lady Ashton, widow of English-Australian impersonator artist Sir John William Ashton, walking towards him. She was on her way home to nearby Raglan Street. Glover put on a pair of gloves and followed her into the foyer of her apartment where he attacked her with his hammer. He then threw her to the ground and dragged her into a rubbish bin where he repeatedly hit her head on the pavement. Glover recalled that he had almost overpowered him until he fell on top of her and started to hit her head on the pavement. After she was knocked unconscious, John Glover removed her pantyhose and strangled her. He placed Lady Ashton's walking stick and shoes at her feet. He then left, left with her purse containing $100. Glover headed for the Mossman RSO where he couldn't commented to staff that he hoped the sirens outside were not because of another monkey. The police found Lady Ashton lying face down diagonally across the concrete floor of the small bin, a clove. A pool of blood was around her head. The pantyhose was strung so tight around her neck that it cut through her skin. Her bare legs were crossed and her arms were placed by her side. She had a thin trickle of blood running out of her mouth. At this point, the police concluded they were facing a serial killer. To date, all three victims were wealthy elderly women from the same suburb and were all assaulted, assaulted or killed in the same manner before being robbed of their handbags. A post-mortem examination was carried out and no signs of seeing was found. The ligature mark was around her neck, measured around 9 centimeters. She had bruises on her nose and temple, on her neck and both of her eyelids. At some stage during the struggle, she bit her lip, causing damage into the inner lining of her mouth. A wound was on her cheek, which was an open cut that had a small semicircular abrasion, which was a few centimeters away from it. The examiner noted the victim's diamond ring was still present, suggesting that she had not been killed for money. On June 6, 1989, Glover molested 77-year-old Marjorie Mosley at the Wesley Gardens Retirement Home in Belrose. The victim reported to hospital staff and police that a man had put his hands under her nightgown, but she could not remember what the man looked like. 
On June 24, 1989, Glover visited the Caroline Chisholm nursing home in Lane Cove where he lifted the dress of an elderly patient and fondled her buttocks. In a neighboring room, he slid his hand down the front of another patient's nightdress and stroked her breast. The woman cried out for help and Glover was briefly questioned by staff, by staff at the hospital before leaving. On August 8, 1989, Glover assaulted the elderly Effie Carney in the back street of Linfield on Sydney's Upper North Shore. On October 6, Glover pretended to be a doctor and ran his hands up the dress of Phyllis McNeil, a patient at the nursing home in the lower North Shore suburb of Neutral Bay. Glover left when the blind McNeil called for help. At the time, Glover was apparently never suspected of or identified as being responsible for the molestations. On October 18, 1989, Glover followed 86-year-old widow Doris Cox along Spit Road, Mossman, to her retirement village. In a secluded stairwell of the front of the house, he attacked her, rimming her face into a brick wall where she fell. Although she survived the assault, she was not able to provide a clear description or recollection of events, probably due to her dementia. According to her attack, According to her, the attacker was a young man, possibly a teenager or a skateboarder. Cox assisted police with the identity kit drawing, but again, the scene had been cleaned by neighbors before investigators arrived. On November 2nd, 1989, Glover approached 78-year-old Lane Cove resident Dorothy Beckney while she was walking home in a quiet, in a quiet back street just off Longview Road, Lane Cove, about 10 kilometers from Mossman. Glover then engaged her in the conversation and offered to carry her groceries home for her. Becky invited him inside her house for a cup of tea. Glover declined the tea, but on the return down the laneway to the main street, he passed another older woman and then assaulted her from behind. The victim this time was 85-year-old widow Margaret Pahud, also on her way home from grocery shopping, and the police were certain that this was the work of the granny killer. She was hit in the back of the head with a blunt instrument, and when she collapsed, he struck her again on the side of the head. Glover rearranged her clothing, shoes, and walking stick, took her handbag, and left. Again, nobody saw the attack, but within a few minutes, her body was found by a young schoolgirl who at first thought the body was a pile of clothing dumped in a laneway. Neighbors yet again washed down the crime scene. As the police and ambulance were on their way, Glover rummaged through the content of Pahud's purse on the grounds of a nearby golf club. He then headed off to the Mossman RSL club to again spend $300 he had stolen from Pahud. Within 24 hours of the Pahud murder on November 3rd, 81-year-old Olive Cleveland became the fourth woman killed by the now so-called granny killer. Glover struck up a conversation with Cleveland while she was sitting on the bench just out the Wesley Gardens retirement village where she lived in the suburb of Belrose. When Olive became uncomfortable, she got up and proceeded to walk to the main building. Glover seized her from behind and forced her down a ramp into a secluded sideline where he hit her and repeatedly pushed her head into the concrete before he removed her pantyhose and tied it tightly around her neck. Once again, Glover rearranged her clothing, shoes, and walking stick, then left, took money, sicked it off from her handbag. Once again, the old woman's injuries were initially attributed to a heavy fall, and the crime scene was yet again washed down. No eyewitnesses were found. Shortly after, the state government doubled the reward to $200,000. 
On November 23rd, 1989, Glover was sitting in the Buena Vista Hotel in Middlehead Road, Mossman, when he saw 93-year-old widow Muriel Falconer walking opposite the hotel, returning home with her shopping. Glover returned to his car, parked opposite the police station to retrieve his hammer and gloves. He followed Falconer to the exterior of her home in Mustin Street. He quietly moved up behind her while the partially deaf and blind Falconer opened her front door. He put his hand around her mouth to silence her before repeatedly hitting her around the head and neck with his hammer. When she fell to the floor, Glover began to remove Falconer's pantyhose and he did this. She began to regain consciousness and cried for help. This prompted Glover to hit her multiple times with the hammer until she finally passed out. He removed her undergarments and used them to strangle her. He searched her purse and the rest of her house for valuables before leaving with $100. Again, after rearranging her shoes. The following afternoon, the body was discovered by a neighbor who entered using a spare key. The crime scene was left undisturbed and investigators were able to collect forensic evidence, including bloody shoe prints. A neighbor described the suspect as middle-aged, portly, and gray-haired. The reward was increased to $250,000 by Christmas. On January 11, 1990, Glover visited the Greenwich Hospital in River Road, Greenwich, on his pie sales round. He was in his work uniform and carried a clipboard and entered the hospital's care ward, which held four elderly and ill women, including 82-year-old advanced cancer patient Daisy Roberts. Glover asked if she was losing any body heat. He then pulled up her nightgown and tested it in an indecent manner. Roberts panicked and called for help, upon which a nurse found Glover in the ward. When confronted, Glover ran from the ward, and the nurse was able to record the car's registration number and notify police. The hospital staff were able to identify and name Glover as he was known for doing this pie rounds. A week later, the police returned with the photographer photograph of Glover, which both the nurse and Roberts positively identified. Although this was a significant breakthrough, the hospital assaults were not linked to the murders nor reported to the murder task force for three weeks. We're going to start right there. I know it's getting really, really good, but stay tuned for part two.